All right. Hello and uh, welcome to everyone to this uh, Solo Voices uh, session. We are um, with uh, Madame Hu, um, directly from uh, Pittsville, and uh, we will talk uh, with her about uh, her uh, new single, uh, Peter Mother. And uh, first of all, uh, welcome. Uh, you, you can introduce yourself. Uh, who is uh, Madame Hu and uh, huh? what inspired you to become a, a musician? Oh boy. Okay. I am Madame Hu. I'm an indie, indie pop rock musician. And I, I write, I specialize in um, anthems for underdogs. <laughs> and uh, what inspired me to be a musician? My goodness. Do you want me to go all the way back? To like my childhood, I Davy Jones of the Monkeys. I used to watch reruns of this TV show of the Monkeys in the U.S. and he was my imaginary friend. They were a band, the Monkeys. And uh, then I watched uh, Josie and the Pussycats, a cartoon, and uh, I wanted to be Josie. And then I saw the Beatles documentary on PBS, and then I wanted to be a Beatle. And um, after uh, that, you, you perform um, in uh, at the Jimmy and Dogs uh, Farm Club uh, in LA. So I... your band made it to the top 10 for the American Music Awards, uh, New Music yes. Award. Right. And what happened after that? And uh, if you could want to tell us something about this. Okay, so uh, yeah, we were uh, we we had a song called um, the old band was called Audra and the Antidote. My name is Audra. My mom did not name me Madame Who. She named me Audra. So <laughs> it'd be kind of weird a baby named Madame Who. Anyway, so uh, we had a we were uh, one of the, named as one of the top five bands in unsigned bands in Nashville, and we got uh, we had a song that was pretty popular um, called uh, Jenny's Got a Boyfriend. And at the time, Jimmy and Doug had this new show in L.A. And they invited bands to upload to their website and they would pick bands from there. And uh, they really liked Jenny's Got a Boyfriend. So we got flown out there and performed on the stage. And it was um, aired a couple times on USA Network. And, uh, but I, uh, you know, nothing really came of it except I got a lot of fans from all over the country. So that was cool. Um, but it was before the time where, you know, talent shows <laughs> were a shortcut to fame, you know, like American Idol. In fact, if you were on a show like Star Search, which my old band, my first band was actually on Star Search, which is the original talent show. <laughs> um, it was like, um, uh, you were kind of like uh, blacklisted from the record companies. <laughs> like if you won, that meant you were not cool. <laughs> but anyway, so back to Jimmy and Doug. Uh, so we we were on there and um, uh, Jimmy Iovine, who is uh, Interscope Records, he actually came and took a, a special trip to the dressing room right before we came we were on and said how much he liked us. And but then after that, nothing ever happened. And, and the next year with the same song, Jenny's got a boyfriend. 
Um, we again submitted it online. It was uh, something, it was the first year that the American Music Awards had this new award called the New Music Award. It was um, something that uh, Dick Clark had come up with. <laughs> this We're talking a long time ago here. So Dick Clark came up with it and it was the first year. It had been 15 years in the making and it was to be the first day of this really prestigious um a music conference in New York City called CMJ and it was College Music Journal and so um, we submitted to it and with the same song and also with another song called um, Strange and Beautiful which I redid for Madame Who and um, <laughs> a funny thing is uh, I submitted it and the first line to Strange and Beautiful is Stevie always said that he was a lesbian and <laughs> they made me replace that song because I said lesbian. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, my bassist is a lesbian. Can she play? <laughs> I was just totally dumbfounded by that. So any, but anyway, um, then we got into the top 50 and then, oh my gosh, when that letter came that we got in the top 10, it was amazing. I was on cloud nine. So all the arrangements for, were for us to play at the Bowery Ballroom in New York City. And we were to fly out September 12th, 2001. And that was the day in the U.S. where no planes flew at all because of the events of the previous day so uh yeah from there it uh it so it was rescheduled um to the next month and because it was rescheduled uh it couldn't be the the first day of cmj because it, it was going to be record company only like this was going to be our big break right <laughs> If, if going on TV wasn't our big break, this was definitely going to be our big break. And um, so it was rescheduled uh, for the day before. No record executives could come. Dick Clark couldn't present. And we ended up paying, playing to a bunch of firemen. And um, we didn't pass through to any further, though, because um, we were actually going to it was a contest where we would go on tour right from there. So you had to clear your whole schedule for like three months in order to do this um, this thing that we were hoping to do. And uh, it didn't work out. So that was disappointing. But because we had it was rescheduled, it was uh, we had to, and we had to clear our schedules. We had to cancel a headlining show for our Nashville's conference and that it that um made us um be blackballed for any future conferences so um it's just it just it just wound down to all of these things kind of convincing me that maybe somebody was trying to tell me that this wasn't what I was supposed to do and um so I just um and at the time I was living with who I thought was the love of my life and uh I just decided to stop and move on with my life because I mean that was just the the straw that broke the camel's back not being blackballed in in Nashville after being named the top five unsigned bands 
And uh, so I just uh, basically quit um, and moved with uh, my uh, muse, I, I should say. <laughs> and then had a baby. And that's that. After the the band uh, dissolved, what made you decide to pack your bags and uh, leave uh, uh, Nashville? And any crazy stories from that chapter that you want uh, to to share with us, if you want? <laughs> oh, what what made me move? What made me? Well, it was it was just uh, that we got um, we <laughs> we. We're blackballed. I don't know if you know that term, but that means that they, nobody was going to um, let us in any of the prestigious conferences anymore. And I think it was because I we had to cancel a headlining show in, in the biggest festival in Nashville for, you know, un, unsigned bands. But yeah. And oh, and then our, our drummer quit. And it was just I was constantly finding new having to find new uh people to play and especially drummers <laughs> and, and then our new we got a new drummer and we were all female band we had we had new pictures taken and then after the first show she quit and it was just like i think i'm done <laughs> this is not this is too this is not fun yeah so um moved to Nash I mean moved away from Nashville to um um a little town in Maryland Maryland's eastern shore <laughs> called Pittsville I th I always knew that Nashville was going to be a springboard to somewhere else but I didn't think it was going to be Pittsville <laughs> a little town teeny tiny town called Pittsville yeah I, it, it is is very small do, do you think uh the um, that uh, changed you in uh, in some way to change, change from a big city to a tiny town um well i i decided i was not going to do music anymore after that so i i moved uh with uh, my i'll call him my husband we weren't really married but we were together for 19 years And um, and we had a baby and we moved to Pittsville and we were web designers. And then later he decided that he wanted to be a homesteader. So we moved to a large piece of property and um, we uh, built our own home and we grew our own food and had another baby. And so we were just living off the land pretty much and I was not doing music at all in fact he highly discouraged me from doing music it's um and then one day he decided he had enough of me and he kicked me out <laughs> and it was at the lowest point of my life absolutely the lowest and um I I had no place to live I had no I had to start a business because I, I was, we had a web design business, but I wasn't going to do anything with that since I, we weren't together anymore. And so I started an upholstery business and I had to quickly find another place to live. And I was shocked at how high the rents were and 
yeah, I was really, really down. And then about nine months later, I, I took my daughter, her, my 10 year old daughter out to the ocean. Like I said, we lived really near the ocean and with a friend and I was with a friend also. And, um, she, she, she just learned to swim. She wasn't a very strong swimmer, even though she was very athletic. And then I was just sitting on the beach with my friend and, and her daughter and, and my daughter were out there in the ocean. And, um, it had been really, really, uh, choppy and really rough waters, but, um, I, the, 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 it was at the end of the shift for the lifeguard and he left, he got everybody out of the water and he left and he drug his, his stand away. And because of that, um, everybody could go back in the water, but it was at your own risk. And so I told her she could, you know, just joking as long as she didn't drown. <laughs> and, um, about 10 minutes later, I saw these two little heads out there with with a lot of other people. It was just middle of the summer and it was a it's a tourist town. So there were a lot of other people still out there. And um she uh, I, I saw her friend suddenly just waving her, her arms. And I, I noticed my little blonde head was out further and I realized she was in trouble. So I I just dropped whatever I was doing and I ran out to the ocean and I was like, I'm a strong swimmer. I, I, I can, I can handle this. And I got to the point where I couldn't stand on the ocean floor anymore. And, um, and then there, luckily there were two taller people out there in front of me between Irene and I, and, uh, suddenly the, the rip current riptide that I, that she was caught in got me and swept me away. And, um, I, I was like, okay, I was thinking, okay, no problem. I, I know what to do. You just swim sideways, right? So she's, I, I'm keeping an eye on her while I'm trying to escape this riptide. <laughs> I can see that these two taller people were out there getting her. So it, I was pretty confident that she was going to be okay. And then I realized I was getting really super tired all of a sudden and I tried to swim sideways and I realized that wasn't working so I was like well maybe it's the other sideways so I tried that and that didn't work and I was like oh, I'll just catch a wave in and I tried that that didn't work and I suddenly I was just exhausted and I was like oh my god this is how a strong swimmer drowns like I had always wondered if you can swim how how in the world do you drown in the ocean and that's how you could just get so exhausted meanwhile all these waves were crashing down on me and um luckily I didn't swallow any water but so I I went to my back just to um conserve energy and 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 I guess Irie saw that I was in trouble and she goes she goes somebody saved my mom <laughs> while she was being saved and i thought to myself oh my god if i drown here if i die right now she is going to blame herself for the rest of her life for my death and so 
I just went to my back to conserve energy and I, so, and I, you know, meanwhile, waves are crashing down on me and I scream for help as loudly as I can, just hoping somebody was going to hear me. And I don't know how long, much longer it was, but there was somebody behind me and kind stranger, you know, with a flotation device, which I should have brought in. I should have had my flotation device. So anyway, it was like a movie, you know, can barely get her, his hand. And he he um, managed to pull me to to the shore and assured me that Ivory was OK. And it was so traumatic that that night I even though I swore off songwriting uh, that night, a song came to me and I, I told the song I wasn't going to write it because I didn't want to write songs anymore. But I did. I had to write the song. It was called Lifeline. And then I played it for Irie when I was finished. And she said, I, just, I asked her if she liked it. And she said, well, yeah, but why do you want to remember that? And I'm like, huh, yeah, you're right. Why do I want to remember that? And so, but because it was such a cathartic release. I decided, nah, I'll just write some more songs about my situation. It's just as good as therapy, I guess. So I started writing songs um, that were um, to help dig me out of this deep, dark pit I had found myself in. You know, so I, um, I began writing songs with with affirmations, even though I didn't believe any of it. Like, I am beautiful. I am powerful. So I would sing it over and over and hopefully I would, you know, get, get myself out of this state of mind I was in. And I would, didn't have much hope in it, but you know what? It worked. And when it worked, I was like, wow, I need to share this. And so then I became Madam Who. Good morning, America. Pick it up uh, in your story. What was uh, the reaction? And how did that impact your musical uh, comeback? And I would like uh, to, to ask also, what kept you busy during the 15 years you took a break from writing music? If you want, you, you can share some details mm -hmm. about your uh, adventures. And, uh, and and if you want, uh, you, you can also explain to um, Europeans what mean Good Morning America because we we don't uh, know the how big is this uh, i imagine right. it's a great thing <laughs> yeah um well, okay so what kept me busy that when i was not uh basically uh <laughs> farming and raising the children but the whole time i, I had this song in my head i It was the last song I had half, I half wrote this song that I thought was going to be really, really super cool. But I, I just couldn't find the, the lyrics the, to the verses. I tried and tried, but I had the, I had the chorus, you know, um, you need to feed the Peter meter, guarantee he'll be sweeter. And but I just couldn't find the verses and I, I knew it was going to be really, really fun and catchy song. But so I tried those 15 years while, you know, like 
making everything from scratch and having elaborate dinners <laughs> and um um I, I was I kept trying to find those verses to this song Peter Meter and it was inspired by something that my grandmother had told me uh some advice on how to keep a man <laughs> and um so aside from you know the constructing the Halloween costumes I, I I kept trying with that and so finally when I started writing songs again I um wrote these songs to help me out of my deep dark pit you know my depression and and it worked and so then I um I uh I started dating somebody else who also helped me and I uh resurrected a couple songs I there was one called Sincerest Thank You that I had written a long time ago and about no one in particular but I wanted to write a song about to him for his birthday and so I was like well I already wrote that song like 20 years ago and I didn't know it was about him so I re-recorded and that was on one of my EPs my first EP my debut EP and then um I he was involved in uh TV and radio locally and so he had a a, a a he had a connection to one of the local TV shows and they did a special on me not a special but I'm um, just kind of a, a story on me and my everything that I just told you and um and then it was a it was picked up by it was picked up nationally by um this this television show called uh, Good Morning America they came out um to to interview me and uh hear me play a couple songs because i i was really targeting women who were um like me who had pretty much lost everything in their self-esteem and and i i i wanted sincerely to help them like i helped myself and so good morning america picked it up and it's a it's a show that's um a very popular morning show national morning show it's uh, has um 1.7 million viewers and um they aired it and and um it was it was really great What's your mantra for uh, overcoming obstacles, adapting, and carrying on? Uh, I think we all need uh, a little motivation. <laughs> My mantra, I I really, um, I you know, I tried to stop songwriting, and I guess I can't. <laughs> so it's been a therapy for me. And, um, but in general... And I turned this into a song. In general, I I say uh, I am powerful, I am beautiful, I'm incredible, and I'm worth it all. And the, that's the chorus to my song, Reclaim Your Power. I would like to ask, how did the, um, the brain tumor experience influence your way to see the life and creativity? If you want to ask uh, that directly. Uh, Ah, uh, yes. So <laughs> while I was, um, I, I, I wasn't writing songs that 15 year period. Um, I, I had a, I've always had headaches, but this, at this one point the headaches were getting really bad. 
and I also felt like I um I I was like early onset dementia or something because I was having trouble speaking really but as a I was a web designer at the time and I didn't really have a whole lot of practice speaking because I'm you know lived with my partner and uh we just had a baby and we just he didn't speak a lot because he was the web developer and I was the web designer and I just thought well I'm out of practice speaking and maybe that's it and but then um one night I had a seizure and was rushed to the hospital and they found a mass in my brain and when it was removed it was cancerous but it was a cancer that was almost considered benign uh, but not not still it was malignant and um, had it removed and from then on it was just like it put me into overdrive kind of like I need to get things done that I need to get done <laughs> it's like I don't know how long I have and I was I was not very old at the time um and and so it just really kick started like I I just learned all kinds of stuff I learned how to uh, reupholster furniture I got into novel writing I got ex everything except songwriting I didn't get back into songwriting at the time but it, and Halloween costumes for my kids and stuff like that and yeah it was it kicked me into overdrive and I was already like pretty um uh cognizant that I didn't have a lot of time to do what I wanted to do but then it was just like wow it, it really was extra extra motivation <laughs> so that's that and then uh I so I have to go into get um follow-ups every year in fact I have one in a couple weeks um an MRI and uh, and the MRI is uh if you've ever been in an MRI to scan your brain it it, it sounds like um dubstep <laughs> it's uh very electronic but it's rhythmic and so this one day I decided after I started writing songs again I decided to write a song about that experience and to also try to communicate what that 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 sounds like but within a song and so I had I made a song called unremember um you can find it on my YouTube channel Madamu then I would like to to listen <laughs> can you share um, a behind the scenes anecdote or interesting story related to your journey as an artist? An interesting story. I think I told you all the interesting parts. <laughs> uh, um, uh, well, after I, uh, when I was uh, started writing songs again, I, I got into GarageBand because it was right there on my iPhone. And um, I, I was also into computers, so it was kind of like an easy step for me. I wasn't afraid of doing that. And I'd been in studios. I, I have a music business degree from my college in Nashville. And so I, I was very familiar with studios, even though I never wanted to be an engineer. But I was always very, um, I was always hands-on when I was in the studio. And so... Um, I started doing um, the, the garage band thing and just getting deeper and deeper into it. And 
um, finally, I wasn't doing what I needed it to do. So I upgraded to logic and I, I became pretty proficient at, at it. And um, I actually engineered and mixed and everything my first EP. What's your favorite part of uh, the music creation process uh, from writing to recording and performing? Uh, do, do you have any uh, unique rituals? Do I have any what? Unique uh, rituals. Characters? No, uh, rituals. Ritual. Uh, oh, the... rituals. Oh, yeah. oh. Um, well, what's my process, you mean? So I, um, well, I, I will... Sometimes I'll I'll just hear a, a something or um, <laughs> something somebody says will spark an idea or I'll be thinking about a concept or something and then I don't I don't know how it happens but I have well for one thing I have music playing in my head all the time I mean just like original music like there's melodies I'm constantly humming I'm sure it, it annoys everybody around me because I'm constantly humming not anything in particular but I'm humming and so. Um, just all of a sudden something like a, a phrase, I'll, I'll sing or hum a phrase and it'll be like, catch my attention. Otherwise, I'm just doing it all day long and not even knowing it. And and so it'll catch my attention and then I'll like kind of hone in on it. And it used to be that I would just pick, I would pick up my guitar and I would try to find the chords or whatever. But these days, because I'm doing everything in logic on, on the computer... I go straight to the computer and sometimes I don't even know what key my song is when I'm done because I'm doing it all on the computer. And that's a really, it's actually really helped me do it faster because um, I can just co copy and paste. And, but I found that I, I can't really memorize my lyrics as, as well as I could before. <laughs> How do you approach uh, songwriting? Uh, there are specific events uh, or experiences that often serve as inspiration for your lyrics, or that uh, is uh, on your uh, on your head and later uh, on the paper. Yeah, um, yeah, just like what I was saying, um, it's uh, it's um, kind of like a, a mystical process, sort of how it just comes to me. And I know that doesn't happen for everybody. Um, I, it's my curse, I guess, because <laughs> I can't stop it. And it really doesn't get me anywhere, but I have to do it, you know. Um, then uh, I sometimes I I will the sometimes I'll go forth with the lyrics more. I always start with a hook, which is chorus. I mean, usually the chorus, but it's a hook. And um, a melody and the 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 um, lyric come at the same time. That's just the how I start. That's how I, I've always started. And then sometimes the lyrics will come faster, but usually not. It's usually the the melody that'll come first, and then I struggle with the lyrics. <laughs> What are your goals and aspirations for uh, the future? Do you have any specific milestones or project uh, on the horizon? Uh, well, I, I um, after Peter Meter, there is another single that's going to fin finish out my EP, and it's called LLAP, which stands for Live Long and Prosper, which 
is something it's a something from a, a star trek which is a uh, television show american television show and um the alien mr spock he would always say live long and prosper right so uh, i've loved star trek ever since i was a kid so um i decided to write a song with live long and prosper and just like peter meter it was not as long as Peter Meter, but I came up with the chorus and then I couldn't find the the lyrics. And um, actually I had, I settled on some lyrics and then um, it was uh, like, I, I did the song on, in Logic. I think I even mixed it and, and mastered it and everything. I just settled on some lyrics that I thought were good enough. Like I, I'm obviously it's not going to work out. Right. So I, uh, but then as soon as I sent it to a friend to to give me some feedback, as soon as I had sent, literally, I was like, oh, I know what the lyrics should be. And I completely it just came up with new lyrics and it was so fast. It was incredible. I was like, where were you before? Where? <laughs> but it turned out to be a really fun, fun song. Then we will listen uh, to... Now we will play your new single, Peter Melter. Maybe you can introduce it for us and uh, let us know what do you want to express uh, with uh, that song? Sure. So when I was um, going to college, <laughs> I, I had to cross the country. And on the way, I, my mom and I stopped at my grandmother's house. It was on the way. Um, and <laughs> she, she was a rather wealthy woman and uh she, she and i were alone in the kitchen i remember very clearly and she said in her scarlet o'hara kind sounding at georgian accent she said oldra i've been out of the dayton pool for some time now and i was just wondering The boys still require that you have sex with them. And I'm like, oh, I held back my laughter and surprise. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just kind of uh, surmised that this would have been her extrapolated and surmised that this would have been her advice on how to keep a man it's called peter meter and in the video um i i dressed up as what i remember my grandmother to look like <laughs> i have a gray wig on and my my daughter is playing my younger self thank you so much for your time uh, with us um, and um, you guys can uh, follow all the work of uh, Madame Wu on madamwu.com, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Bandcamp, YouTube, and Instagram. And uh, now we'll listen to Peter Matter. Thank you again for your time with us. And it's a pleasure to have uh, you and um, Peter Matter. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right.